Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sundays with Saima. This podcast is made for aspiring otolaryngologists to learn from trainees and professionals in the field. I'm your host, Saima Wase, fourth year medical student at Northeast Ohio Medical University. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Shadi Mehrabi. She is a PGY1 at the University of Michigan. She graduated with her medical degree from the Cleveland Clinic Lerner College of Medicine. Shadi, thank you so much for joining me today. Thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So what was your path to otolaryngology? Um, I, I would say it was circuitous and serendipitous in a way. So um, I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, so the University of Michigan has always been kind of a part of my life. And then I went to college at Case Western, studied polymers engineering, and kind of last minute decided to switch to medicine. And then when I started medical school, I thought it was to become a pediatrician because that was what my clinical experience had been Mm -hmm. at that point. And that's what had kind of inspired me to go into medicine. So I fully thought that, you know, my purpose in being in med school is to become a pediatrician. Sure. And then my third year rotations, I put pediatrics early on because I figured then I'll know for sure. And then I can, you know, start thinking about applying and, you know, the next steps. And then during my rotation, there was nothing wrong with my experience, but it just wasn't exactly, you know, it didn't have like that spark for me. Right. Um, And so I kind of, you know, had like an identity crisis of like, okay, well, why am I in medical school if it's not to become a pediatrician? And so I was just really open-minded with the rest of my rotations after that, because I figured, okay, I have to figure out what I'm actually going to do. And I was really surprised that I ended up loving being in the OR. So I did my general surgery rotation at one of the community hospitals that's affiliated with um, Cleveland Clinic. And there I just had a really good experience with uh, an amazing mentor who just really inspired me to pursue um, something surgical. Mm -hmm. And I definitely didn't think that I felt fit the bill of what a surgeon was and I think a lot of people have that experience where, you know, it's hard to become someone that you don't see uh, someone like you on the finish line. And so you kind of don't imagine that that's maybe like a likely path for you. But I did my rotation. I loved just being in the OR, the teamwork of it, uh, being hands-on. I didn't love the anatomy Um, Mm -hmm. I always joke like I worked (laughs) anatomically superior because I did gen surge and then I did CT and then I did Odo and I was like okay I'm good like (laughs) I'm gonna stop here because I I actually my first Odo case I think that I was really like wow this is incredible was a neck dissection where I just I loved like how systematic it was and the intricate anatomy and I was like this is it this is like an orchestra like I have to this is where what I want to do right um so that's how I ended up stumbling into it at some point along that I also just cold emailed someone to grab coffee and they really um kind of motivated me to go into the field uh Mm -hmm. Erica Woodson a uh fellow woman in Odo um who I really look up to and uh, she really encouraged me to go for it. And that made a lot of, um, a lot of, and that had a big impact on me. Yeah. Well, that's a great story and somewhat circuitous, but 
very interesting that you had a background in engineering and you ended up going into a field like Odo, which does kind of involve a lot of problem solving skills. So do you think that kind of background kind of helps you to apply those skills in the in the OR? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in the academic sense, like there's so much overlap between engineering principles and kind of the physiology of the sense organs. Mm-hmm. And then in a practical sense, just being in the OR, I think surgeons are natural engineers and making constant kind of um, force calculations in their head, like, okay, I'm going to use this as a fulcrum. If I apply this force, this will happen and kind of running those numbers live. Um, and so I think, you know, you're not sitting at a desk and solving a, you know, an engineering problem, but you're doing it on your feet, like second by second. And it, So I think even, you know, people who don't have an engineering background, I think have that skill uh, kind of built into them through training. And I I feel like I can kind of see this extra layer of, um, you know, given my background. Right. Right. And diversity of thought is so important. Um, So kind of with your early experience and intern year, how has University of Michigan um, shaped your research interests or, um, um, well, I guess in terms of, uh, research, my biggest kind of experience so far within the field has been, um, my research year. So my program, um, Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine, it's five-year program where everyone takes a research year. And then for my research year, I was also lucky to be granted a, um, source of funding, uh, the Sarnoff Cardiovascular Research Fellowship. So it's a cardiovascular kind of foundation that funds medical students to take a year of research anywhere they want. Um, And so I got this kind of uh, grant and then was really excited to figure out what I was going to do with it around the same time that I was stumbling into the field. And I was like, okay, what can I do that's cardiovascular? (laughs) Because like, (laughs) The fellowship is cardiovascular. I want to like still pursue that basic, you know, tenant of it. Um, and also, you know, think about my future career path. So I looked into genetics of cardio auditory conditions in adults. So I think okay. you know, when you hear cardio, cardio auditory, a lot of people think of like your willing Nielsen or like long QT syndrome with congenital deafness, you know, kind of severe um, congenital syndromes. And uh, I was at Penn for the year um, in a kind of collaboration between the genetics department and the Odo department, thinking about, are there more subtle phenotypes in adults um, that were kind of missing? Because at this point, adults presenting with hearing loss rarely get genetic testing. Um, So kind of trying to think of like a corollary in the adult population. And if that kind of moves the needle towards uh, ordering genetic testing for adults as well. Absolutely. That's incredible that you were able to identify that gap and kind of fill that within your research year. So how do you, how would you advise a student interested in a research year? Do you think it would amplify their application? I think I really enjoyed the experience. Um, I guess it's kind of a unique perspective because my program has a research year built in. My medical school had a research year built in, so it was going to happen regardless. And I'm glad that it did. I don't know how I would have decided if I were going to do one, you know, in a traditional program. But 
I'm really, really glad I took that time because when I really got to build something from the ground up and kind of lead a project in a way that also allowed me to pursue my natural curiosity, I think that's really important because a lot of times we do things because we feel like, you know, uh, if I'm going to apply Odo, I need to have research or if I I'm going to do this, I need to have these check boxes, you know, uh, ticked off. And I think allowing yourself to really naturally pursue your curiosity and your passions, then when you're talking about them, it's just so obvious that you genuinely are intrigued by these things. And it just makes for a better experience, not only for yourself, but also I think when you do talk about it with other people, it's just a very natural kind of communication and you're, you're just so um, like you're into it, you know, and that really comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Showing your genuine interest, I think is probably one of the best ways to express yourself. So that's an interesting viewpoint. Um, and in other terms, how would you advise students to make themselves stand out? Yeah, I think every person is unique in what they're interested in and also what unique perspectives they bring. So I think that sometimes people feel a pressure to almost ignore those things because they want to, you know, be technically good and like get this many publications, this many, whatever, like in order to stand out. But I actually think the things that will make you stand out are the things that are unique to you and your genuine self. So if you are really interested in, um, I don't know, like recruiting a more kind of diverse student body into the field, or if you're really interested in music or whatever it is um, that kind of has your inner voice going, oh, this is exciting. Mm -hmm. I think if you think about that and you try to overlap it with your interests in Odo, then you'll stumble into something that, you know, you genuinely enjoy doing. So it's not a chore. And then also helps make you stand out because no one else could have thought of that other than you, right? Like no one else can walk in there being like, oh, I had this life experience. And then I was thinking about this problem. So then I ended up doing this. Sure. Uh, I, I'm speaking in very, uh, I guess, vague terms, but I think it's just to listen to your inner voice and follow your inner kind of sense of curiosity and overlap your genuine interests with something in the field or think about how those two might converge. Sure. Yeah. And I think you also gave a really great lecture as a part of uh, University of Buffalo's lecture series. So would you mind sharing like some of the tips that you had for sub eyes on how to stand out in that sense as well? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the advice that I had been given and I just was trying to pass on because I certainly benefited from the people who came before me um, was really just showing that you are available, affable, and least importantly, able. So the most two important things are to be available and affable, but then, um, you know, if you have skills, that's great, but that's not expected. Really, I think what can help you be a good team member is just kind of anticipating the next steps, anticipating what might be needed on rounds and getting those things ready. And, you know, it feels silly to be like, oh, I put like the gel on the Doppler, you know, two seconds before <laughs> someone had to ask for it. And it's not about, you know, like 
like, oh, yes, I did that. You know, like it's more like just demonstrating that you are not just standing in the room. You're actually processing what's going on and thinking about the next step and then contributing as appropriate. So it shows that you're engaged, I think. Sure. And just being an active team member is kind of what you're trying to show in that sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard to do at the beginning when you're just kind of taking in the team and the workflow because it'll be unique to every type of team and institution. Mm -hmm. Certainly if you're coming from a home program or excuse me, a medical school without a home program, a lot of it will be new. So no one's expecting this, you know, day one out of the gate. But if you get to that point where you can observe what's going on and then start anticipating next steps um, and contributing as appropriate, I think that's like everyone's um, always really impressed by that. Absolutely. And I think also like reading the room before you start taking action is also important. So that's a lesson that I learned on my first week of my sub I, which I just started this week. So <laughs> it's been a good experience in that sense. So I appreciate all the advice you've given so far. And uh, now the most important question I have for you is Ohio or Michigan? Well, I, I have to say Michigan because I grew up here. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in Ohio, but I can't say that I ever really bonded Um I had one place that I absolutely loved in Ohio that I wish I could bring back with me to Michigan. It was an ice cream shop in Cleveland called Mason's Creamery. So I would take them and add that to Michigan and then Michigan would be, have literally everything. I could <laughs> no, so I you're breaking both. my heart. <laughs> I love both, but that if I could transfer one thing, <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> okay. Well, We'll keep Mason so that you have to come back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Any final thoughts? That's it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me today, Shadi. And thank you to all the listeners for sticking around until the end. Stay tuned next Sunday for another episode of Sundays with Saima. Bye.